Aloha. You're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Enjoyment isn't the end game, it's the whole game. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. I'm flying solo on this Friday morning as we dropped on Thursday on the website, nbabigboard.com, Big Board 6.0. This is my ranking of the top prospects in the 2021 NBA draft, picks one through 30, prospects one through 30, after talking to a number of NBA GMs. You can go over to the website and get the the, the full accounting of what's happening here, here, but this is post the NBA draft combine. And so gathering intel who helped themselves, who hurt their stock, how players did in interviews, athletic testing, measurements, all of that stuff is factoring into big board 6.0. And I kind of want to walk you through some of the, what I see as significant changes that are starting to, to take place on the big board 6.0. And, and this will impact the mock draft, but there's a difference between the big board and the mock draft. The big board, I'm assessing how players are just ranked when stacked up against each other, whereas mock draft, you take into account team needs, what NBA teams are thinking. And so this is a pure form of how you project prospects. It's not my favorite. That's the draft year's column, and that's going to be coming soon. But for right now, we're looking at how these guys just rank head-to-head. Talked to a number of different people about this. Look, there's not necessarily consensus among teams, and so you try to aggregate based off of what people are talking. And sometimes if there's a bit of a tiebreaker, I'm there to sort of make that tie break. And I want to walk through a number of a number of issues that are starting to come up, some things that I was hearing um, coming out of the, the Chicago draft combine. The first is, look, as much talk as we've talked about maybe Cade Cunningham not being the consensus number one pick in the draft, it's still highly likely that he goes one, that he goes to the Pistons, or if the Pistons really decide they want Jalen Green and they get a great trade offer, that the team that would be moving up would be taking Cade Cunningham. Questioning whether Cade Cunningham is the clear-cut number one, I don't think is a disservice to Cunningham. I I think it reflects a very strong draft at the top with Evan Mobley, uh, with Jalen Green, uh, and, and frankly, Jalen Suggs and maybe Scotty Barnes and Jonathan Kaminga as well. These are really talented top of the draft, one of the most talented that we've seen before. And pointing out the differences between these prospects, where their ceilings are, where their floors are, all of that is just part of an l- overall process of what's happening actually in NBA teams right now. They didn't don't just go to mock drafts and say, look, hey, all the mock drafts say Cade Cunningham is number one, so we're going to pick him number one. They are doing all of the background work. They are talking to people. They are going over film again and again and again. Now they're talking realistically about head-to-head, how these players fit, and should that shift uh, the the thing at all. Uh, They're going to be doing interviews. They're still getting medical testing. Anybody that wants to say, oh, look, it's just a done deal that Detroit's taking Cade Cunningham, number one, I don't think that's actually reflective of what process all of these teams go through. Is it likely that they're going to take Cade Cunningham number one? I I feel that it is, even though for me, probably there's a closer gap between Cunningham, Evan Mobley, and Jalen Green than maybe for some others. I still think it's likely that that's what Detroit does um, at one, but they're going to do their due diligence. And I don't think that that's a slide on Cade Cunningham or anybody else that this is going to happen or that we can talk about 
players' relative strengths and weaknesses. And as much as I love Cunningham, as much as he's been number one on my board all year, I anticipate that he will be number one on my last big board on draft night. It's not like he is a perfect prospect. He's a very complete prospect, but he lacks elite athleticism. And, you know, that high turnover rate is a question mark about him. Is he really the lead point guard? Is he really that primary ball handler that we talked about uh, earlier in the year? You can go any way that you want on that and say, look, it's Oklahoma State. There's a lot of reasons behind it, but it's a legitimate question and teams are asking it as well. That doesn't mean he's not going to be number one, but I think those are the things that you factor in. Evan Mobley still sitting there at consensus number two, though ironically, you know, how the draft plays out If you're mocking this, it's true that Houston has an interest in Jalen Green. It's possible that they select Jalen Green over Evan Mobley. It's also possible that the Rockets could talk about trading as well. And so having a consensus number one or number two guy doesn't always mean on a specific team that he's the number one or number two guy on that specific team. And and as it turns out, I... I think there are some questions for Detroit about that at one. I think there's definitely questions in Houston about that. I actually have Evan Mobley mocked the Rockets at number two. However, Green is in the picture there. But to me, Mobley, when you talk about seven-footer with the versatility, the athleticism, uh, the ability to protect the rim, be able to score off the bounce, I think he's going to ultimately be a stretch big down the road. I actually think that not only can he play four and five, that there might be some crazy scenarios on certain teams where he might even be a wing. Uh, That's how skilled Evan Mobley is and what a freak he is. You consider all of that. Those are unicorn-type players at the next level, and certainly Evan Mobley, to me, is is worthy of a number one pick. He's number two on the big board. And then Jalen Green, I think, is really rounding out the top three right now. I, I think that he's in the mix with Detroit. He's in the mix with Houston. He's certainly going to be in the mix with Cleveland, Toronto, and Orlando. But if you're talking to at least the folks that I'm talking to, he seems to have kind of gotten to that space pretty securely um, at three on most boards. That doesn't mean there aren't some teams that have him four or five or maybe a team that has him two and uh, you know maybe even one. But that's just sort of where the, the bulk of the folks that I'm talking to have Jalen Green right now. And obviously the most electric score in the draft, one of the best athletes in the draft, has that sort of star power, what have you. He sits at three. Now here's where things get more interesting. It's been something that I've been saying all year. This is a five-person draft at the top. And then you know Jalen Suggs and Jonathan Kaminga sort of round out that five. There was times that I had Suggs as high as three. And then Scotty Barnes has sort of been sitting there at six, seven, you know, through most of the big board uh, process as sort of the next tier. I just don't believe that that's what I'm hearing from teams anymore, that they see him in that next tier. I do think some teams have a cutoff now with sort of Cunningham, Mobley, and Green being in a tier and then there being a drop tier um, after that. And some teams have all of these guys in the same tier. But Scotty Barnes has not only moved in the conversation, I I think, again, there's, there's a lot more spread out here between Suggs, Barnes, uh, and in certain cases, uh, Jonathan Kaminga, that Barnes has sort of moved into that. It's the more they dug into their film study, did interviews in Chicago, the more they came away really impressed with Barnes' ability to play four, you know, it sounds crazy, but like maybe five positions. He's got a charismatic personality. 
one of the most unique players I've ever scouted given the 6873 wingspan and again that positional versatility both offensively and defensively yes there's questions about him is he going to be able to shoot the basketball that probably is the difference between whether he becomes a super superstar in the NBA or just a quality starter is is what if he can start stretching defenses with that jump shot it's it's going to be crazy because again of his size and athleticism that's going to be, I think, the biggest question mark uh, about him going in. But there's legitimate question marks about Jalen Suggs. There's legitimate question marks about Jonathan Kaminga, as as there are for Green and and Mobley and Cunningham as well. And I I know that there's some hesitancy on the part of listeners who have been like, oh come on, Chad, like are, are we really going and drafting a guy that can't shoot? Didn't you see uh, what happened with Ben Simmons in Philadelphia? And I think a couple things. One, I don't think teams think that this is the same situation as Ben Simmons. I think that they they feel that Scotty Barnes already is ahead of Ben Simmons as far as jump shooting goes. And and I you know I've said this before on the podcast. I, I think it's actually quite rare that we see a prospect like Simmons who essentially almost regresses as a shooter over time. Shooting is one of the things that you can improve in the NBA. Not everybody does it. There's a number of factors behind that. Uh, but I think teams are more bullish on Scotty Barnes that he's going to be able to improve on um, that jump shot. And then at five, Jalen Suggs. And I know there's a lot of huge Jalen Suggs fans out there. What he did in the NCAA tournament certainly warrants that. I've been high on him all year. And it's no disrespect to find yourself at five in this draft. Jalen Suggs is a stud. Teams still really like him. It's just that maybe he doesn't have that high ceiling, as high a ceiling as Cunningham, Mobley, Greens, and Barn do, given, you know, in Cunningham's case, Mobley's case, and Barnes's case, sort of elite size and length. And in Green's case, and to a certain extent, Barnes, like elite, like crazy athleticism. Suggs is a really good athlete. Uh, Suggs is a good size, especially if you're thinking about him uh, as a point guard. It's... And he's got this toughness, he's got leadership, he's got the drive to win, he can play multiple positions on the floor. He's going to get after it. Any team that takes Suggs at three or four or ahead of, you know, Jalen Green or, you know, ahead of of Scotty Barnes, I'm probably not going to quibble with him because I think he's going to be really good. But if you're thinking these other guys have one of those elite physical characteristics that make them a freak in the NBA... We've just seen time and time again that those little physical edges, whether that's that elite explosive athleticism or elite length or size for position, do matter um, at the next level. And as good as Suggs is, he doesn't quite possess that. And also, I think some definite questions about whether his jump shot is going to just be solid or whether it could be really good. He was a very streaky shooter at Gonzaga last year. And so that leaves Jonathan, Jonathan Kaminga, who's sort of been in five. And after a really hot, hot start in the G League, you know, people started to say, oh, Jonathan Kaminga, like maybe maybe he's the guy that is, is going to get up, you know, closer to three or two or what have you. Cooled off a little bit towards the end of the G League uh, season. He's, he's essentially a year younger than all the other four prospects that I just talked about. Uh, he has less experience. There was a little bit less to judge him on than there was Jalen Green. And I think all of that makes his floor a little bit riskier. But the ceiling is ridiculously high. And somebody who gets a Jonathan Kaminga has the chance to be drafting 
a star, a little bit more risk. But look, we saw last year in the draft with Anthony Edwards and LaMelo Ball, I think, in my opinion, bigger risks than Jonathan Kaminga. Bigger questions that were coming in. Huge, huge ceilings that we saw with, with Anthony Edwards and LaMelo Ball. But but some scary floors. I mean, there was a lot of people that were really concerned about LaMelo Ball was going to be able to play defense. What was his shot going to be like? Is he going to be able to get away with playing that sort of style the next level? Anthony Edwards around just sort of general basketball feel, was he going to be able to shoot the ball well enough? And both of, of them really played so well. They played to their strengths that that floor has risen for both of them right now. And so maybe Kaminga looks scary in this draft, but if you were to put him in last year's draft, I think there would have been a strong argument for Jonathan Kaminga as the number one pick in the draft. And so uh, this is really strong uh, at the top six. Not all of these players are going to uh, progress at the same rate. They may not all show the same next year. Some of that's going to be situation that they land on and what have you. But all of them have the potential to be all-stars at the next level. All of them are tier one or tier two prospects. Uh, to me, I'm still s figuring all of that out right now, and I will run a draft uh, tiers column uh, as we get closer to the draft, as I, as I get a better feel for, again, sort of what teams are thinking right now. But I think right now it's safe to say that all of them are tier one or tier two which means superstar or potential all-star. And, and that's a really, really deep draft as we get to six. Okay, when we come back, uh, we will talk about what is really that sort of next tier and, and what's sort of happening after six where there's a lot less consensus and a lot of people trying to figure out what's going to happen next. You're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts to store or stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions? Is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? And wait while the other person behind the counter orders the parts of their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? They have everything you could need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. And we are back talking Big Board 6.0. You can go over to my website, www.nbabigboard.com. This is a ranking of the top prospects in the draft. We go 1 through 30. Next week, we'll bring in 31 through 80. And one of the reasons I'm holding off on that is a July 7th deadline for underclassmen to return to college. That's not the NBA's deadline, but it is the NCAA's deadline. And there's a number of guys that are sort of sitting there in the second round right now that are still on the fence. They haven't hired agents. They're not sure whether they're going to be in or out of the draft. And so we're going to wait until that July 7th deadline. And then I think we'll be able to build out a, a, a much more realistic and stronger 
uh, second round, uh, picks 31 through 80. The international players will have a little bit longer. I believe it's July 19th that they can go. Uh, but we'll keep track of all that. Uh, we have a who's in and who's out of the NBA draft over at nbabigboard.com. Make sure you go over there, subscribe, give us your email. Uh, we'll send every update that we have, podcast, articles, player cards, scouting, uh, some live Zoom calls that we're going to be doing. All that will go into your inbox. You'll know when everything's sort of happening. And, and you, know, you can bone up and be a draft expert over at nbabigboard.com. So look, here is where I can tell you that uh, and I'll try to give draft ranges for a lot of these guys where they sort of fit in a range. But when I'm talking about the range, I'm not trying to be cute. I It, it really is plausible that they could end up on the high end of that range or the low end of that range. Uh, someone ultimately gets ranked at the high end, but could end up being at the low end. And like we saw that with Tyrese Halliburton uh, last year as well. And sometimes it's just the freaky way that the draft plays itself out. So at seven, I got Davian Mitchell, uh, but that draft range is seven to 14. Everybody's eyeing the Golden State Warriors right now with him at number seven. And and I certainly think that that's a very legitimate possibility, but I wouldn't put all my eggs in that basket for Davian Mitchell. I think the Warriors would like to, if they can, trade this pick, maybe package it with some other things to get another guy who can help them right now. And as NBA ready as Davian Mitchell might be in this draft, I'm not sure he's ready to come in and necessarily make a huge impact in year one on a potential championship contender, and that's what Golden State is. It's much more likely that if rookies are coming in and making an impact, it's on a it's on a lottery team. And even then, it's fairly rare that that impact is necessarily positive. Uh, they may be getting a lot of minutes, they might be putting up a lot of points, but they're doing other things that overall hurt their value to teams. And so, you know, Mitchell at being a little bit older probably has a better shot of coming in and contribute. But if I was if I was a Warrior fan right now, I wouldn't necessarily be thinking that anybody in this range comes in and moves the needle significantly for my team next year. And so maybe the better move for the Warriors if they can't trade the pick is to go and get someone with maybe more upside. But with that said, there are a number of NBA folks that are really convinced that Mitchell has upside, that he's continuing to prove that even though he's small and he measured six feet in socks, so six one in shoes with a six four wing, which isn't great. Everybody wants the comparing to Donovan Mitchell, but Donovan Mitchell had a six ten wingspan. That's a big, big difference. And you know, questions about does he have that upper end athleticism and you know, is he going to be able to shoot the basketball the way he did Baylor? All legitimate questions. He's also tough. He's also one of the best defenders in the draft. I still really like him. But if he fell to 10 to New Orleans or 13 to the Pacers, or even if the Warriors could end up picking him up 14, I actually think those are all plausible scenarios for him. So if he goes 14 on draft night and, and you're looking and saying, why was he ranked seventh? There's, there's where the wiggle room is um, with Mitchell. And then there's just the scrum with Keon Johnson, Franz Wagner, Josh Giddy out of Australia, James Booknight, who I'll, I'll pause for a second and say is, is come back in vogue. He started the season really hot, uh, had an injury, came back with shaky. Teams questioned the jump shot a little bit, a little bit undersized, more of a pure scorer um, than what you typically like with your guards, which is that they can sort of play multiple positions. And what he did, I, I think is, we'll see. We'll see how long it lasts. He, he goes in and has a pro day. And for those of you that aren't initiated with the pro days, pro days are sort of agent run workouts where you go through a series of drills. Um, they're typically scripted. Uh, it gives NBA teams a chance to sort of see you on the court, moving, doing athletic things, doing shooting drills, what have you, but isn't at all sort of replicating game stuff. And, 
and players can sort of rehearse for that. But by by all accounts, James Booknight had one of the better workouts that that you could have and really shot the lights out. And I think teams look at him as a different prospect if he is going to be a lights out shooter as opposed to, you know, what he was at UConn, which is roughly about a 30% shooter from three. I don't think we should hold our stock yet for him based off of a pro day. He's going to get into team workouts. He's going to be worked out by most of the teams in this range. If he shoots like that in those team workouts, which are less scripted and, and depending on what the agent allows, could be more competitive. If he does it there, I could see Book Knight jumping all the way up to, to you know, as high as, you know, eight to the Magic, maybe, maybe even uh, the Warriors uh, at, at seven. Uh, leapfrogging Keon Johnson, for example, uh, because there is a real talent there where with Franz Wagner and, you know, Keon Johnson and Josh Giddy. Talents there as well, but it's more projecting um, out where Book Knight maybe is a little bit more proven in what he can do as a, as a scorer. Also, you know, let's keep an eye on Josh Giddy uh, because he's one of again one of the younger players in the draft, elite passer, uh, great, great, great size for his position. Those are two big, big keys for him. Questions about his athleticism and shooting uh, put him again in sort of that seven to sixteen range, and uh, I do think that at seven he's a potential prospect that the warriors might look at and say look it's not that we think josh giddy's going to help us next year but let's start building something for the future with him and james wiseman and you know we'll, we'll be patient with them knowing that clay thompson draymond green steph curry the clock is sort of ticking um, for them and then sort of rounding out this sort of group what i call the sort of next tier jalen johnson out of duke alpern and singun uh, out of Turkey, Corey Kispert uh, out of uh, Gonzaga, and you know to a certain extent even Moses Moody, um, who maybe is a little bit further down, but does in some scenarios get up like as high uh, as ten. And the guy that measured with that freaky plus eight wingspan, uh, plus eight point two five inches wingspan uh, at the combine, which is just really really uh, freaky as well. And and so look if. Corey Kispert, could he be 10 instead of 14? Yes. Could Singoon, who is a really fascinating prospect, and I don't always know where to place him, could he be moving up uh, into the into the teens, uh, or sorry, into the top seven, eight picks in this draft? Yeah, I think he could. I, I think Singoon, there's such a big gap between how the analytics folks see it and sort of the more game film scouts sort of see him right now. He's probably the hardest guy for me to rank. I've got his draft range, which is ridiculous this close to the draft at 6 to 18. But that 6 to 18 just sort of reflects this is a guy that there's not a lot of consensus on big boards about right now. And, and so you have to be pre prepared for a much wider range uh, with him being drafted. Interesting prospect for me. He's definitely one of the guys that just personally I struggle with and struggle to get excited about. And... Uh, that may be ultimately affecting where I'm putting him uh, at 13. Uh, and, you know, someone like John Hollinger, who was on, on the pod last week, uh, has him, I believe, at like four. Uh, and that's higher than I've heard any team sort of have him. But that's also John and John being sort of faithful and consistent to the model that he's he's putting together. I don't think we're going to see Singun at four, but you, you can see 
again, where this sort of range uh, lies um, with him. And so, you know, Jalen Johnson, uh, top six, seven talent, some questions about his departure from the team after 13 uh, 13 games at Duke, and just some questions about sort of positional fit. Franz Wagner, another analytics darling, a guy who I think is going to be potentially terrific on the defensive end. And then the question is, how good is he going to be on the offensive end? Keon Johnson breaks, smashes actually the NBA draft combine record with a 48-inch max vertical but is one of the rawer prospects on here. Like, what does he bring you offensively right now? I think it's a big question mark. He's another young one uh, as well. And so maybe, you know, you have to be a little bit more patient with him. And so, look, that's a pretty big next group uh, of Davian Mitchell, Keon Johnson, Franz Wagner, Josh Giddy, James Booknight, Jalen Johnson, Apernin Sengun, Corey Kispert, and, and Moses Moody. And, you know, if you're asking me right now, you know, what is that exact draft order going to be or look like for each of those guys? You know, I don't know. That's what the mock's for. And we'll have another mock draft out soon. And that's really going to be trying to f- narrow down where teams are going to be on this. And, and if you're frustrated right now saying, okay, why are these draft ranges for these guys? You know, and I, and I get into more detail uh, on my column uh, you know, seven picks, eight picks or whatever. I think this draft process is not finalized yet. I think workouts are still going to matter. Uh, I don't think all the medical testings come back yet from teams. And, you know, there's going to be trade talk, lots of different uh, moving parts in this whole process, which to me make it, again, you know, really interesting to ultimately sort of project out what is going to happen. Look, when we come back, we'll talk about sort of that next group outside the lottery and guys that are there. And we'll sort of talk about some first round bubble guys, guys that didn't make it as well. Some guys have some interesting decisions coming up as far as whether they are going to stay or not stay in the 2021 NBA draft. You're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. Did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors plus the occasional limited time flavor? When you talk to a Built Bar fan, and I'm one of them, they're definitely passionate about their faves. If you don't know what the Built Bar flavors are, well, you're missing out. There's coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. There is something for everyone. My favorite flavor, uh, coconut, is is a big one for me. Also salted caramel at time. I also like mint brownie when I want a little bit more of a dessert one. And they... And here's the crazy thing about them. They taste like a candy bar, but they're actually healthy too. They have, uh, most of the flavors have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, only four grams of sugar, only four grams of net carbs. So look, order today and get that raspberry or mint brownie or whatever you like. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Okay. 
Okay, we're back talking 2021. Big Board 6.0 just dropped over on bigboard.com. That's my new website and newsletter. Drop us your email. You can get that right into your inbox. We got Mock Draft 2.0 up there right now. Uh, Draft Combine winners and losers whenever I have a podcast that's going to go into there as well. Uh, I've got scouting reports, tons of them. We did eight of them uh, this week. Uh, new scouting reports that that are dropping down. So, you know, if you're interested in JT Thor, for example, or Herb Jones or uh, Joe uh, Wieskamp uh, out of Iowa, uh, in-depth scouting reports over at nbabigboard.com. Go today, subscribe. Uh, it's it's a really great deal right now, $50 a year. Uh, we're taking $34 off the price. If you want to go and give us a yearly subscription right now, and, and don't worry if you're thinking, uh, you know, hey, like the draft is, is only a month away. We're gonna have so many great things coming for the 2022 NBA draft. Uh, this is gonna be a year round newsletter. So many great things that are coming. Go over today, nbabigboard.com. So we've gone through like the, the 15 guys and I, I just wanna highlight a couple of other guys, talk about a few bubble guys and then talk a little bit about some big decisions that are coming on July 7th for a few of the prospects that will shape most likely the second round, not the first round. Um, Isaiah Jackson is a guy who skipped the combine, questions about his potentially getting a a promise right now, uh, maybe from Oklahoma City, uh, but he's in the mix as high as Charlotte at 11th and San Antonio at 12th. Interesting that he's the best shot blocker in the draft, offensively still uh, you know, significant question mark. He also needs to put on um, size. Zaire Williams uh, rising, a, a guy that I think is on talent, a top 10 pick on production at Stanford is a second round prospect. He measured well. He measured as a good athlete. Teams seem to be coming around on him right now. I don't think it's out of the question that he sneaks into the back half of the lottery. Uh, but right now, he's sort of sitting right there in the mid-first uh, round. Uh, Chris Duarte moves up. Sharif Cooper. Miles McBride moves into our big board 6.0 round one, uh, picks one through 30 uh, for the first time. You know, he's he's a little bit small, but he has a huge wingspan. He's a good athlete. He really gets after it um, defensively. Uh, and, you know, he's got a three-point game. He's got excellent toughness. I think he can play some on or off the ball right now. And he and Sharif Cooper are definitely in the scrum now for sort of the next best point guard in the draft. Trey Murphy uh, moves up significantly uh, in our latest big board as well. Again, this obsession with three and D uh, guys. Kai Jones slides a little bit. Look, he could go higher. He he even could go nest, maybe late lottery. Uh, I think the concern about Kai Jones is just how long it's going to take to develop him. Jared Butler slides a little bit. And, and, you know, frankly, Butler slides because there's some question marks about his long-term health. Uh, he was held out of the combine by the NBA and referred to the NBA's fitness to play panel at where they are assessing some medical issues. We don't know what they are. Those things aren't public yet. Depending on how that all sort of plays out, Butler might kind of move back up into the 14 to you know 20 range, or you know, frankly, depending on how serious it is, he could slide out of the draft. We're all just sort of waiting and seeing right now. Josh Primo uh, rides a really strong uh, combine into the big board for the first time. He actually made our mock, uh, first round mock before the combine, but here he's now on the big board as well. 
Josh Christopher rides a big, strong, not elite, but strong performance at the combine. I think teams rewarding him for getting out there and playing five on five. He makes it into the big board uh, as well. And finally, you know, a guy that I think is another big winner from the draft combine, Bones Highland. Really impressed teams. And I, I really think that this is a case where a guy that didn't get to play in the NCAA tournament, played at VCU, maybe less in-person scouting uh, this year because of what was going on with COVID. They get the chance to see him. He comes away just overwhelmingly sort of positive uh, feeling for him and what he's going to be at the next level uh, as, a, as a guy who at least is going to be able to score the basketball, but also might be able to play some point guard. You're hearing like some Lou Williams type vibes um, out of Bones Highland right now. He cracks the top 30. So who falls out of it? Um, Ayu Desumu falls out of it. Cam Thomas is falling out. Greg Brown uh, falls out uh, of of uh, big board 5.0 uh, back down to 6.0 right now. They are in the mix, though, for a first-round pick. And I actually think this, this draft probably goes 40, 40... Yeah, about 40 players deep of guys who could leapfrog up into the first round right now. Next week, we'll release picks 31 through 80 uh, on on our big board, a 6.0. And we're waiting on that July 7th date. And that's important because that's when the NCAA sets a deadline for prospects to uh announce whether they're going to return uh, to college basketball. And believe it or not, there are some prospects that are sort of out there that we're going to be watching, you know, really closely to see what they do um, because they haven't necessarily committed to hiring an agent yet. And so who are some of those prospects that we're going to be watching, uh, you know, really, really, really closely right now? Uh, Johnny Juzang, who I think, you know, frankly sort of hurt himself um, at the Combine was riding that huge NCAA tournament. Now I think there's a legitimate question about whether um, he decides that he's going to head um, back uh, to school. Uh, Terrence Shannon Jr. out of Texas Tech, a guy that just didn't really get any momentum uh, in the Combine right now. He's sitting in the 40s right now. Is that enough to stay in this draft and get drafted? Or does he return to Texas Tech? Or does he um, hit the transfer portal? Major question uh, mark uh, for him. Marcus Bagley out of Arizona State, freshman, a big man, uh, brother to Marvin Bagley III uh, right now. Again, just didn't really get any momentum uh, out of the combine. It decided not to play. Uh, he's already in the transfer portal. Does he decide to go back to school and, and improve uh, his draft stock? Uh, I think that could be wise decisions uh, for all of them. Max Asmus out of Oral Roberts, another guy that I I think we should be watching closely right now. Another guy that just didn't play great in the combine. I'm not sure in his case what he does to improve his stock, to be honest. I mean, after this season that he had at Oral Roberts, after uh, that run in the NCAA tournament, what do you do when the knocks on you are that you're too small and that you're not an elite athlete? Uh, you know, those are the two biggest things that seem to be taking down Max Asmus's draft stock right now. And I'm not sure those are things that he can necessarily address by going back to school another year. Like you certainly go back to school because it's fun. Uh, but that is going to be, I think, a big question mark for him. Jason Preston out of Ohio actually played really well in the in the tournament, but did he play well enough to get 
drafted, I think that's probably more realistic about what we're talking about here than whether he played well enough to necessarily be uh, a first round prospect. So is, is he happy with that? Is that his ceiling right now? Or does he come back for a senior season at Ohio and is able to do uh, something else? Kessler Edwards has got some decisions to make out of Pepperdine as well. He's sort of on the bubble, just barely hanging on. Those are the big names that, that, that I'm going to be watching right now and could make a significant difference in what sort of happens in the second round and, and our big board from 31 through 80. And so if you check back here on July 8th on my website, nbabigboard.com, we'll have that, that full big board, the rest of the big board coming out soon. In the meantime, head over to nbabigboard.com. Go ahead and dive into Big Board 6.0. Subscribe. I got a great deal going on right now. Give us your email. Got so much great draft content coming. Really appreciate everybody that comes out and listens uh, to the NBA Big Board podcast. Have some really cool stuff uh, coming up. Tony Jones is going to be on on tap uh, for next week. Adam Stanko uh, is coming in. is going to be on tap as well. Uh, we're going to increase the frequency of the podcast as well. Increase the frequency of stuff that we're going to be publishing next week. Also on the NBA Big Board, we're going to talk about some of the other international po- uh, prospects uh, that aren't necessarily the first round guys, but guys that might either sneak into the first or, or second round picks like Renz Blindberg uh, out of Belgium, for example. We're going to break all of that down next week over on NBABigBoard.com. Really appreciate you coming, listen in. This is my favorite time of the year. I hope it is for yours, you as well. You're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. Aloha. Aloha.